0: Bibles to Matthew chapter 7, Matthew chapter 7, as I said this morning, I think this might be the most misunderstood verse in all of the Bible for several years. I've been going to do a series on the most misunderstood verses in the Bible and uh, just go through a list of them, and let me tell you, this would definitely be on that list. Matthew chapter 7 verse 1 judge not that ye be not judged i'm am so amazed and sometimes i have to confess i am angered by those who try to tell us that the bible teaches what the bible teaches when they really don't have a clue so many people today use their stardom and their popularity as a platform to speak out on all of the pertinent issues, whether it has to do with politics or uh, religion or whatever it is, and, and the sad thing is, a lot of people give credence to that. A lot of people, you know, uh, you know, uh, oh, so and so, he was on the all-star team. Did, did you notice what he said, or, or you know, she won a what do they win, Grammy or whatever whatever they win in Hollywood for acting and what have you, Uh, you know, and uh, they're a superstar. I mean, they wouldn't have said it if it wasn't true. And, you know, there are just so many different examples that we could use, and I don't want to take a lot of time, but I I want to mention just a few. People magazine interviewed one well-known actor who was, defending the moral indiscretions of former President Clinton. Naturally, this has been some years ago. And here's what he said. Why should we be upset over such a thing? We're all sinners, and it just shows that President Clinton is just like the rest of us. The Bible says, judge not that you be not judged. In other words, hey, get off his back. Don't worry about it. I mean, you know... The Bible says we ought not to judge him. Uh, CNS News, this, this was in 2008. Then-Senator Barack Obama told a crowd at uh, Hocking College in Nelsonville, Ohio, and uh, he said that he believed the Sermon on the Mount justified his support for legal recognition of same-sex unions and he told the crowd, and this is the article, part of the article that I jotted down. He also told the crowd that his position in favor of legalized abortion does not make him less Christian. And now a direct quote. If people find that controversial, then I would just refer them to the Sermon on the Mount, which I think is, in my mind, for my faith, more central than an obscure passage in Romans. We all know what he's talking about, right? Paul's epistle to the Romans that condemns homosexuality as, you know, as unnatural and sinful, and so he mentions the Sermon on the Mount trying to justify legal recognition of same-sex unions and and what have you. And he, you know, he might have had reference, you know, also to the golden rule there and. Uh, do unto others, you know, as you'd have them to do unto you, or whatever it is. But it's obvious that that he is no Bible student whatsoever. Then there was an interview by Wolf Blitzer of Charles Barkley. <laughs> I, I don't know why anybody would have any confidence in what Sir Charles says, but they do. And here's what he said, direct quote, I don't like the way the Republicans are taking this country. Now, this is really amazing because it was a few years a few years before that, actually, he voted Republican. I remember his mother rebuking him, telling him, Charles, don't you know the Republicans, you know, Bush is the rich man's president? And he looked at her and he said, Mom, we are the rich people. But anyway, he changed. Ah, uh, well, probably figure that out. And he said, every time I hear the word conservative, it makes me sick to my stomach because they're really just fake Christians, as I call them. That's all they are. Wolf Blitzer said, all right, one quick point before I let you go. You use the phrase fake Christian for conservatives. And he said, explain what you're talking about, Barkley.' Well, I think they... Uh, they want to be judge and jury like, like I'm for gay marriage. It's none of my business if gay people want to get married. I'm pro-choice. And I think these Christians, first of all, they're supposed to be. They're not uh, supposed to judge other people. But they're the most hypocritical judge of people we have in the country. And it bugs the blank out of me. They act like they're Christians and they're not forgiving at all. Blitzer said, "So you're going to get a lot of feedback on this one, Charles. Barclay, they can't do anything to me. I don't work for them. Blitzer, you feel comfortable saying all of that, Barclay? I feel very comfortable saying I am pro-choice and I'm for gay marriage. Very comfortable, Blitzer. But you can't lump all of those conservatives as being fake. A lot of them, obviously, most of them are are very, very sincere in their religious beliefs, Barclay. Well, they should read the part about uh, they're not supposed to judge other people. They forget that one when it comes when it doesn't fit to what they want it to say. Now, now look, we could go on for hours, as you well know, because you've heard things like that on on uh, on television and the radio. You read it in the newspaper. And over and over and over again, we get hammered with this verse, Judge not that ye be not judged. The problem is that these words, judge not, has been terribly misunderstood by a lot of people. In fact, somebody said, this is the backslider's favorite verse. You know, it might be, I'm just going to do whatever I want to do, and, you know, you you don't have any right to uh, judge me. And so many use this to teach that we never, under any circumstances, ought to judge the actions of other people, but but they're wrong. Now listen, if they'll just read the rest of this chapter, you know, which they won't do, if they'd read it and study it, they would see very clear that it's not wrong to judge other people. By the way, if you read on down to verse 15 on through 20, they're talking about, uh, the false prophets. How could we recognize the false prophets? Remember, he said, By their fruit ye shall know them. How are we going to recognize them if, if we can't make any judgment about them? It's absolutely essential that we judge people in order to see whether they're false prophets or not. So let me mention four things tonight. Now, I'll, I'll try to be quick. I know that you're probably tired and I don't want to wear you out with this, but I just had it on my heart this week. It is so very important and the world just won't let it go. And you listen, you need to have an answer for those people. Don't just sit back and take it whenever they try to explain something away by saying, oh, you need to remember the Bible says judge not, and you need to have an answer. So here's four things you need to remember. Number one, we have a responsibility to practice scriptural judgment. We have a responsibility. In John chapter 7, verse 24, you might want to jot this down in the margin of where we are right now here in Matthew 7, just out in the margin there, put John seven twenty-four, And this is what Jesus said, Judge not according to the appearance, but judge righteous judgment. You see what he's saying? He says, Judge. Judge righteous judgment. So we are to judge. We have a responsibility to do that. But notice we're to judge not according to appearance, but he says according to righteous judgment. Well, how do you make a righteous judgment? Well, to do that, you've got to be right. And the only way to be right is to judge on the basis of what God's Word says. That word judge means to weigh carefully so as to form an opinion or consideration. And that's what our obligation is. Our standard is the Bible, and we are to judge things around us in the light of the Bible. Now, while we have this responsibility to practice scriptural judgment, we ought to avoid unlawful judgment. I mean, that you know, it goes without saying, but it needs to be said avoid unlawful judgment just as there is a righteous judgment there is an unrighteous judgment because we're forbidden to judge others in a manner that's not scriptural right are you with me well how could we do that let's think of some ways uh, in which we uh, have no right to judge people number 1 the first thing that comes to my mind is hastily you don't judge other people hastily in other words you don't rush to judgment Often we refer to that as jumping to conclusions, you know, or forming opinions before we've made a full investigation, before we've gathered the facts, and, and uh, we ought not to do that. That would be an unrighteous judgment. I read a story some years ago that I think was maybe the perfect illustration of that. This reporter uh, was going out through the country and he was looking for a story He's driving down this old country road. He looks out there in the field, and the garden there, and there was this fellow sitting out there in a chair, and he had a hoe, and he was hoeing the weeds sitting in a chair. And that guy got to thinking, Boy, I'll tell you what, you talk about lazy. Man, th- 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 there, there's a story in this. So he goes back to, to the car and sits down, and he starts to write, and he looks back out, and he gets a better view, a different angle. And he notices that the man's britches' legs are just hanging down. He didn't, have any, he didn't have any legs. And you see, what started out at first, what seemed to be a story about laziness, actually turned into a story of great courage. And a lot of times we misjudge people because we're too hasty. We haven't gathered all of the facts, but but not only that, we misjudge people when we do it presumptuously. In in other words, by treating suspicion or or rumors as though it were the facts. You know, well, I heard, you know, I heard from a reliable source. And, you know, this might be the most common way in which we unlawfully judge other people because sometimes even when we're not hasty in it, we are presumptuous. We jump the gun. And I've got to tell you, I am much more prone to do that than Bev is. She brings brings balance to my life because she is really great at giving the people, you know, the benefit of the doubt. And I'm really, <laughs> I'm not sure what word to use. I have, I've had a problem all my life in trusting people. i got a suspicious mind. I, you, know, <laughs> you know, you might be trustworthy, but you're going to have to prove it. <laughs> you know, and, and, and I've had a problem with that just about all of my life. I tend to be that way. And whenever you have a tendency to be like that, sometimes you make the mistake of misjudging others by doing so presumptuously or by judging their motives. This is one of the very best ways in which we presumptuously sit in judgment of other people. I mean, look, because we're all different, it's really easy for us to misjudge one another. And naturally, we can't see into each other's hearts and there's so many times I was talking to someone just last week and we were talking about, we uh, were talking about some folks here in the church and in a good positive way, not, not anything about gossip or that, was talking about the struggles and the difficulties that some folks are going through. And listen, there is a story in every seat here, all where anybody is here tonight, and every week when we meet together, you cannot imagine you can't imagine what some people are going through and the difficulties that they're facing. And and, and a lot of times we, we think we've got the facts when really we don't. And and it's real easy because we're different emotionally. Our, our emotional makeup is different. We're, we don't all express ourselves, you know, in, in, in the same way. Uh, Brother Ron is totally uninhibited whenever it comes to shouting hallelujah and thank God for that, but... For somebody else, you know, they might, uh, you know, they're just different, you know. Uh, they're not as expressive. Maybe they don't pat their foot the same way you do or whatever. And listen, it's so easy for us to misjudge them because we make the mistake of judging their motives. And I've got to tell you, I've done that. I've been in preacher fellowship meetings and conferences where I had to apologize, as it were, to the Lord later on. And although I didn't in any way mistreat the person, there were times that I unfairly judged the motives of certain preachers. But uh, well, I won't even go into detail about that because you've probably done exactly the same thing at some time or another. Well, he's just trying to show off. How do you know that? How do you know that? So let's not be hasty nor presumptuous, and let's not be unfair. And by that I mean in in condemning people regarding the difference of preference. And by the way, that's what most most of the that's what most of the fusses and fights are all about. It's not about our great doctrinal differences or anything like that. It usually gets back to a matter of preference. We like this, and somebody else doesn't, and uh, and so consequently, we're unfair in our judgment of them. And so many times, we don't consider the circumstances, or or, or maybe we misjudge them their character by one failure. That's why I've said so many times, don't ever judge someone by what they do when they act out of character. That is what they do, you know, occasionally. I've made the mistake, I can remember sitting in my office some years ago, and in fact I had another man in there and the witness of this meeting because I I just knew basically what I was going to say, and I looked at one of our members in the eye and I said, you ever did do that again, I'm going to stomp you through the floor and uh, look the, the person was absolutely in the wrong in what they did there's no doubt about that but we've got to understand what people are going through at the time i had i had another member come to me said just take my name off the row so what are you talking about He said, you might as well just tell the church, take my name off the roll. I said, why? He said, I'm getting ready to go over and going over to another member's house. And he said, I'm going to beat the living daylights out of so-and-so. So So you might as well just take my name off of the roll. Well, that's no way for a Christian to act. But But look, you don't know the details of what prompted this guy to do it. And it was out of character. It wasn't something. This person didn't normally do stuff like that. And, you know, we could sit in judgment of someone because of something like that and create a big problem, and it's just not fair. And we can go on talking about, you know, misjudging them unfairly. And it might be that we judge them unmercifully. That, that is, that there's no mercy, that we don't temper our judgment with any mercy. They're clearly wrong, but there's no mercy on our part. Or we could add to that we might misjudge them in the sense of doing so hypocritically. And look at verse number 3, 4, and 5 in this same chapter. And notice what he says. Why beholdest thou the mote, that is that little bitty speck that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest thou, uh, considerest not the beam, that big log that, that's in thine own eye? Or how will thou say to thy brother, let me pull out the mote out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye? Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. Now those that would Make the mistake of judging others unlawfully. Look at verse 2 now. I left that out intentionally because this is what you need to consider when you're guilty of being hypocritical in your judgment. For what measure ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet or measure, it shall be measured to you again. So while we have a responsibility to make lawful judgment or righteous judgment, we've got to be careful that we don't go about it in an unlawful way. That it's not presumptuous, it's not hypocritical, it's not, you know, it's not unfair, and so on and so forth. We're to practice scriptural judgment. And here, look at verse number six. Notice what the Lord says here. Give not that which is holy unto the dogs, and neither cast ye your pearls before swine lest they trample them under their feet, and turn again, and rend you, or tear you. Now notice here, the Lord very clearly is showing us here that we must be discerning and make judgments. I mean, you can't do what He's saying here if you're not making some judgments about those people. And remember, He's talking about people, not literally talking about dogs. Uh, or pigs, he's talking about people here. And and so you've got to make some judgments as to their character and what their attitude is. And so when he says in verse 1, judge not, he doesn't mean that we ought to be blind as to the sin that's around us because there's times when judgment is absolutely necessary and it's profitable. It's necessary when it comes to civil government. We've got to make judgments, right? I mean, every time you vote, you're making a judgment call of some kind. Am I right or not? You've got to, you know, we, we look at the record of these two candidates are running against one another, and we, we've, got, we've got to decide. I mean, I, I hope you're not so silly that you just go to the ballot box and say, oh, well, it doesn't make who I vote for and just vote for anybody. I mean, nobody ought to do that. We vote for certain people for a reason, and it's based on judgments that we have to make. So that's true in civil government. You know, none, none of these politicians say, well, it doesn't make any difference who you vote for, because after all, you're not to sit in judgment of each other, so you're not making a judgment about who will be you know, the best in that particular office. But, but they don't use that verse in that regards, do they? By the way, it's also necessary when it comes to church-related matters. Whenever the church uh, called me to be their pastor, they made some judgments about me. And, and they made those judgments in light of the Bible. They looked at the criteria and whatever. So this is what the Bible teaches, and we need a pastor, and this is the man that's on our heart. And we, you called me down here, we had some interviews, we talked about, you know, our beliefs and so on and so forth, and... And there were some judgments made. Every time we ordain a deacon, for example, there are some judgments made. Every time we appoint a Sunday school teacher or an Awana director or whatever it is, whether it's Bubba or whether it's Barry, they get together with me and we'll talk about it. And, you know, and they'll come to me and, you know, well, this person's on my heart. Uh, Would that person be all right with you? We've got to make some judgments And I'm telling you, there have been some times I've had to say, no, that that won't work. That's not a fit. Not now, maybe later, but not now. Because it might be that I know some things that would disqualify that person for that particular job, and I don't have to go into detail and explain everything, but by the same token, I've got to make some judgment as related to the church, just like you make judgments when you vote. And not only that, the same thing comes up about domestic affairs. You can't run a household without making some judgments about things. I mean, try raising your kid. Well, I guess I shouldn't say that because it seems like that's what they're doing, you know. You've got to make some judgments about those kids. (laughs) Let me tell you, I've always said, you know, a kid will be a kid and they'll get by with anything they can. That's true of your kids, my kids, or anybody. That's just part of being a kid. They're going to get by with whatever they can get by with. And, uh, and and by the way, they know how to pull all of the strings. They know how to work the system and so on and so forth. And you've got to make some judgments because sometimes that even though there's no hard evidence, you know, and you look at them, boy, mothers are so good at this. Did you, did you brush your teeth today? Uh, uh-huh. Mothers just, they can tell right off the bat. Are you lying to me? Uh-uh. You know what I mean? You've got to make some judgments about these things. And then when it gets down to personal matters, we have to make some judgments. One writer said, I can't remember his name, but he said, in the course of normal living, it's necessary... For us constantly to exercise our God-given critical faculty and to make our assessments of facts and people, but is the purpose for which we make our judgment and the way in which we express and use it that determines its moral quality and effects. John Brown wrote, The capacity of judging, of forming an estimate and opinion is one of our most valuable faculties, and the right use of it is one of our most important duties. If we do not form judgments as to what is true and false, how can we embrace the one and avoid the other? I don't know how you'd put it any clearer than that. He was right on target when he made that statement. And, and yet you got this crowd today. Oh, you know what the Bible says? That's the only verse in the Bible they know. Oh no, they know they know part of John three sixteen. They saw that at the football game, right? So they know two verses now. Judge not, and that's all we hear. So we have a responsibility to make righteous judgment. Secondly, we have a requirement to expose error. A requirement to expose error. It's not something we enjoy doing. It's not pleasant, but it's a it's a requirement. Jude, verse three of the little letter of Jude. Here's what it says: that we should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. And so we're obligated to expound the truth, and obligated to expose the error. Isn't that what John the Baptist did? I mean, he called the Pharisees, the Sadducees. Can you imagine them, you know, sitting there under the preaching of John the Baptist? He said, "You are a generation of vipers." In other words, you are a bunch of of snakes. They were self righteous. They were proud. They were unloving. They were highly critical, and uh, and he just come right out and called them a bunch of snakes. Now here's the. Here's the interesting thing. Jesus said about John the Baptist among those born of a woman, there is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist. How about that? He didn't criticize John the Baptist. He didn't say, now, John, John, wait, you need to tone it down. I mean, you know, that's not politically correct. That's not the way to approach this. If you want to reach those people, you've got to be loving and kind and gentle with them. No, listen, that might work with some people. It doesn't work with people like the Pharisees. And John the Baptist knew that better than anybody. And so he called a spade a spade. This is what it was. And he realized that the only way to to get their attention. By the way, Jesus did exactly the same thing. He called the false teachers hypocrites, blind guides, whited sepulchers you know, serpents, a generation of vipers. And so what John the Baptist did, Jesus did, and then, of course, he drove the money lenders from the temple, didn't he? he? You know, he could have said, now, look, fellas, you need to rethink your course of action here. This is not really right, what you're doing to these people. And I'm not going to go into detail about that, but it was really wrong and unfair, and they were twisting things around so they could profit from the things of the Lord. But he didn't do that. He just got a whip and drove them out of the temple. And when we look through the Bible, we find again and again, let me just, I'm not going to read all of these verses, but for the sake of your study, I'm going to mention where it is found without reading it and tell you basically what it says. Romans 16 verse 17 says we are to mark them and avoid them. Now, how are you going to do that? without making some judgments about them. Mark them and avoid them. And then Titus chapter 1 verse 10 through 16 tells us to rebuke them. Oh, I don't want, it's not my place to say anything. Well, he says what? Rebuke them. There are times when these people need to be rebuked instead of letting them get by with that nonsense. Oh, you know what the Bible says? Not to judge each other. Ephesians 5.11 says we're to have no fellowship with them. Boy, that's not very popular today, is it? Have no fellowship with them. There are several other scriptures that also say basically the same thing. 2 Timothy 3, verse 5 and 7, turn away from them. 2 John, verse 10 and 11, it tells us not to receive them in our house. So when the Jehovah's come by, Could we leave this literature with you? Would you mind if we come in and, you know, just, you know, no thank you, you know. And not God bless you either. Just send them on down the road. Do not receive them into your house. Titus 3.10, reject heretics. 2 Corinthians 6.17, separate yourself from them. So you see, this just a few, a handful of the many verses that teach us that we have got to make judgments in regards to people. Number three, we have a right to expose false teachers. Now, although it's not always necessary to mention their names, sometimes it is, and there's a lot of different examples of that to be found in the Bible. Uh, For example, whenever you think about Paul, he publicly criticized... Peter, in Galatians chapter 2, he publicly criticized him. Now, we're not to make a habit of going around doing that. And by the way, we better make sure we're right in what we're doing. And, and also keep this in mind. Paul was writing the Word of God under the direction of the Spirit of God. So there's no question about whether or not God was in this This is what God wanted him to do. Are you, are you following me? It's not like Paul was just looking for some reason to criticize Peter. Oh, Peter's ministry's been getting too much attention. I, you know, I've got to criticize him and, you know, stop him from having so many followers. And so he finds some fault with Peter. That wasn't what it was all about. So there are times whenever, whenever it's necessary to call somebody's name. He denounced Demas for loving the world. Paul named Hymenius and Alexander. He said they were guilty of having made shipwreck of the faith. He accused Alexander the coppersmith of doing him much evil. John named Diopathy's the uh, regarding his love. He said he loves to have the preeminence among you. Peter warned about the way of Balaam. Jude denounced the doctrine of Balaam. And, and so it, it goes on on and on and on. And it's so strange that those who try to use the Bible to say that we're not to judge each other, you know, totally ignore everything else the Bible says about our responsibility to judge others in order to proclaim the truth, in order to expose error. You you know, when Paul was writing to the church at Corinth about, you remember the story of the man that was taken in the act of fornication, and uh, I don't want to get off into the depths of all of that, but, but uh, here was a man that was clearly doing wrong, and the church was refusing to deal with it. And uh, so Paul does. He just jumps in with both feet. You know, their attitude was, you know, oh, well, we're just going to... We're just going to show him how much we love him and embrace him. And, you know, we don't want to create a problem. And so they're not doing anything about it. Well, Paul uses the word, the same Greek word, judge, over there that's used here. Exactly the same one when he's rebuking them for not judging that man. It's the same Greek word here that we find in our text. So it's very clear that there are times that we have a scriptural responsibility to judge certain people for certain things. Now, lastly, we have a reason to do these things. When we look around today and we think of all of the confusion that's in the world and in the realm of religion especially, you know, the reason behind that is the false teacher's that are in the world today. Because when you get right down to it, and I've often said, you know, anybody can go out here and get up on a soapbox and you can yell, preach, anything loud enough, long enough, and, and after a while you'll get a following. Really. I mean, you can, you can get out here and say, I died and went to heaven, or I died and went to hell and I've written a book about it, I will tell you all about it. You you'll, might get rich. Because there will be people that will believe that. Whenever we think about all of the different religions that exist in the world today, and, and we think about the devastating effect this has upon people. Remember, this, I said this morning, we look, we can't trust or depend on our sincerity. There's no safety in sincerity. Just, you know, being sincere about believing a certain religion, that's not going to get you to heaven. You've got to be right. So, If we've got to be right, and listen, if what Jesus said is true, and it is, when he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, no man comes under the Father but by me, boy, that is a, you know, that's a bold statement because that wipes out every other religion on the face of the earth. Have you ever heard people say, oh, you Christians think you're the only one that's right? Well, yeah. I, I mean, if I didn't, I'd change what I believe. I mean, that's my answer, and I've said that. Yeah, if I didn't, I'd change what I believe. Why don't you? You know, of course I believe I'm right, and I believe I'm right because I'm getting my information from the Bible. But but look, those of you that are parents, if you see a rattlesnake out in the front yard and your kids are playing there, you know, fire ants are bad enough. You know, Babel said, like, well, the grandkids are coming over. I want you to get out there and put something on her. for those fire ants. You know, they might get bit with fire ants. Well, the, you know, I don't want them to get bit with fire ants, but it's not going to kill them. But uh, uh, they need to learn to watch out for fire ants. <laughs> Boy, I can get by with anything when she's gone, can't I? <laughs> but I'm telling you, if there's a rattlesnake out there, I mean, he's going to be dead. And I've got a responsibility to those kids. Some people have criticized folks for concealed carry. You know, well, I don't know about all carrying guns around. What I don't, you believe whatever you want. I think I've got a responsibility to protect my my family. In fact, I think I've got a responsibility to protect your family. We got that responsibility, so I don't feel bad about that. And then you let some crazed man come in here with a twelve gauge shotgun and he just starts shooting and I see people falling. Look, I'm I'm gonna make some judgments about that guy and I'm gonna do something about it. For us to sit back and say, Well, you know, I don't think we ought to criticize other religions why not? If they're wrong, listen, if they're wrong, do you see how serious this is? If they're teaching something other than what the Bible teaches about how you're saved, how you get to heaven, that's as serious as it gets. I mean, if if your kids believe what what they're saying, they're going to die and go to hell. And somebody needs to tell them that these people are wrong and... uh, turn to Galatians here, and oh, Paul just, uh, he, I think, really hits the nail on the head here in chapter 1 of the book of Galatians, and chapter 1, beginning in verse 6, he said, I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. Now listen to this. But though we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. Boy, uh, that is about as hard-nosed uh, as you can possibly get. But it needed to be said. Let me tell you something. The enemies of Christ are not silent. And, and we shouldn't be. How is it that, how is it that some of these people promoting certain sins, how have they progressed so far? I mean, we're talking about stuff we didn't even talk about when I was a boy growing up. Nobody would talk about that. i never even heard of some of the stuff. And nowadays, I mean, you've got the president, you know, promoting this kind of stuff. And we think about abortions. I mean, every year, you know, slaughtering all of those little innocent babies. This is murder. And, you know, and how did we get there? We got there because... Their side refuses to give up, and we sit back not willing to talk about it and expose the error of their ways. Now look, this does not give us a license to be mean-spirited. The Bible says we're to speak the truth in love, and I believe that with all of my heart. But sometimes speaking the truth in love is done in such a manner that it comes across as you're hurting me. About every parent here can think of some time where, you know, you, you've spanked your kid and you've said, look, I want you to know, you know, Daddy doesn't want to do this, but I, I, I need to, and it, it's hurting me more than it's hurting you. Well, you know, they're not really going to believe that. They're thinking, well, have hurt you that much. Please stop. And, but, but the fact of the matter is, if you really love your kids you will chastise them, just like the Bible says. And by the way, if you don't, you don't love them enough. You don't love them enough. And and it's real easy for me as your pastor to say, you know, I'm going to get up there every week and I'm going to make sure... I'm going to make sure I don't ever get off on anything that's controversial. I I want to make sure I don't say anything that's going to hurt anybody's feelings. I'm going to make sure I don't say anything, you know, knowingly that's going to get off on somebody's sin or anything like that. There's no love in that. Any preacher that will tell you nothing but what you want to hear ought to be out of the ministry. Uh, And he's not your friend. So God put all of this on my heart because I want to challenge you, folks. Whenever you're out here in the world, wherever you're at, and you you hear your neighbor or whoever it is, I'm not saying go out here and pick a fight. I'll never forget. Listen to Jack Howell several years ago, and he was talking about how to grow a church. And He said, well, the way you do it, you get a big fight going, and people will come to see the fight, and you'll get a big crowd and grow the church. Said, preach against the movies till nobody goes to the movies. Preach against the prom till nobody goes to the prom. And he went down a big long list. Finally, he said, "When you run out of things, preach preach against Hershey bars. Tell them that they'll rot your teeth out, and you you know, and just get a fight going." Well, I I got to tell you, I think that's nonsense. I don't think we ought to get a fight going just to be in a fight. Uh, we need to speak the truth in love. But we it's time we stood up on our hind legs, as it were, for what we know is right and don't let them bully you around at school or at work or wherever you are. if they've got a right to stand up and dispute their filth and to spread their air, you've got a right to stand up and say, "This is what the Bible teaches. Yes, amen I hope. I hope we'll all do better at doing that, but well, I don't really know how to give an invitation to that, but just maybe maybe it's proved to be a challenge to you, and I hope so. Let's stand.